Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I, I had a pretty good Christmas. I got to open, I got to unwrap a lot of gifts this year. Most of them were tamales. But uh, hey, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But you know what? I, like, I'm excited that Christmas is done. And don't judge me for this, but I'm not like the biggest Christmas music person. Anybody with me on that? You're like, you're a Grinch, right? No, but like, I'm kind of like ready for it to be done. And if you're still listening to Christmas music, shame on you. Christmas is done. You know, Christmas music, it's kind of like sin. It's pleasurable for a season. But it will destroy your life if you let it go that far. No, I'm just kidding. But it's youth night. We like to have a lot of fun. You guys like to have fun in here? Hey, I want to real quick before we get started, just give a shout out to our leadership team with Spectrum. If you're a Spectrum leader, stand up real quick. We want to see you. There they are. They're all around over here. And this, this is about half of them. Thank you, guys. And, uh, and they pour into our middle school, high school students, whether you have a, uh, a student in middle school or high school or not. Like these guys sacrificially pour into the next generation with their time, with their resources, their discipling kids. And that's, that's really awesome. So we love you guys. Among them is our staff. And we have Breezy, Eli, uh, Cody, who led worship. Wasn't that awesome? And, uh, and Drew. And Drew, he's not here. He's on vacation. But, um, but we love them, and, and we're so thankful for them. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without our Spectrum staff. Um, the other day, I had our staff take a little uh, personality test. Has anybody taken one of those before, like a Myers-Briggs test or certain things like that? We took this personality test. It was one that I, I hadn't taken before. It was one on understanding your why, like the why, W-H-Y, the driving force behind what, what you do. And why you do the things you do. And, and it, it explained a few things, like how you operate as an individual, the, the part that you contribute to a team. And so I was just taking this test. We were taking it, answering questions, like what would you do in this scenario? And what are your thoughts on this? And, and, and so I took the test, and when I was done, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I got um, my results back. And, and on the very first page of that test were three words. It said, A, better way. A better way. And I was intrigued by that. Like, what does that mean? That's, that's like my personality. That's my why. That's why I do the things I do. Like, what does that mean? So uh, they went on to show me, my results showed me that I'm always, I'm the personality type that's always looking for a new way of doing things. I'm not content with the same old, same old. I'm constantly changing things up. I'm obsessed with looking for a better way. I thought, okay, I guess that's kind of true. Like when my wife and I, she actually told me this, like when we go to a restaurant, I'm constantly looking for the best thing on the menu. Like what's the best thing? And, and I get kind of frustrated because I, I pick something. I'm like, fish tacos, there it is. And I'm like, but what if there's something better? What if I'm missing out, right? And I just get, it's just hard. Any, anybody relate to me on that? Okay. Coffee. That's another thing. Now, the best part of waking up is not Folgers in my cup. Now, no offense to you if you're doing that. I'm just like, there's probably a better way. There's probably a better way to have coffee. And so I'm, you know, I do like third wave coffee because that's, I feel like, oh, that's the best, right? And I'm not content with just the same old. Uh, as somebody who speaks for a living, 
right? I teach to our high school and middle school students weekly. I'm constantly looking for new ways to communicate truth and what I'm trying to say. I get frustrated. It's funny because uh, I get bored with the same old. I'm always looking for a new way to have fun or... or um, my, I frustrate the staff because I'm always, we're talking about events like the peak and reboot and, and I'm like, that's great, but what if we, what if we did something different? What if, is there a better way here, you know? And they're like, stop it, right? Stop doing this. Like, just let us do the thing, you know? Anybody relate with me on that? Maybe that's you. You're a better way person. I feel like Nate Heitzig is a better way person, you know? But Jesus shares in the greatest sermon that was ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, he shows very clearly as he speaks to the crowds, he speaks to the followers, his disciples, he lets them know that there is in fact a better way to live in this world, a better way to live. And he, he tells them that, we, and we remember, if, if, you know, as students of the Bible, we know that the Sermon on the Mount was not preached to just the masses, anybody. It was preached to those who wanted to know more about Jesus, who wanted to follow him. It was taught to the disciples. And Jesus tells them, listen, these are how my people, this is how my people should live. There's a better way than simply just existing than simply just surviving in this world. There's a lot more to it than that. See, the, the, one of the main thrusts, one of the main themes on the Sermon on the Mount, of the Sermon on the Mount, is that followers of Jesus ought to live differently than the world. Followers of Jesus should look differently. We shouldn't just blend in with the rest of the world. We shouldn't just go with the flow. We shouldn't just let the world squeeze us into its mold, but, but we should stand out. We should make a difference. After all, Jesus says earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to us. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Your citizenship is not just here on planet earth, but it's in heaven. You have dual citizenship. And so Jesus says, you ought to stand out. You ought to be busy telling other people that there's a better way to live in this life. It's not just, hey, I'm existing. Trying to just get through one day at a time. There's so much more to that. And we ought to be showing them that better way. And let me just tell you tonight, that better way is not found in religion. That better way is not found in some three-step, 12-step, 50-step self-help program. It's not found in a better community, better diet. That better way is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's not just a better way. He is the way. He's the truth and the life. Now, that's the better way that we as Christians, as the disciples of Jesus, ought to be busying ourselves with, is showing the world that. Tonight, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, take it out. Matthew 6. Honey, I'm using your Bible. I don't even know why I call you honey. I don't really call you honey. I call you love. But I'm using your Bible tonight. Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. And we're, we're, uh, we're hearing a message that I've called a better way. Now, to be honest, I think that there's a better way. For me to title that message I was like There's a better sermon title for this Right but anyway I'll stop there In chapter 5 As Jesus starts the sermon on the mount He gives the beatitudes And he talks about retaliation And how you know If someone insults you To turn the other cheek And to love our enemies And so mostly That chapter is focused on Our relationship with people In chapter 6 At least the text that we're reading tonight Is more about our relationship With stuff with things, with material things of this world. So let's read together and let's look at Jesus' words about how we should relate and, and how we should hold and carry and own the things that we have in front of us. 
Let's read together. Verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how will he, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be worry, will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I read that first verse, and I think about my wife, and I kind of makes me laugh a little bit, because... We make food pretty stressful sometimes. We make food a lot more stressful than we need it to be. I make food a lot more stressful than it needs to be sometimes. Like, especially when we're going out to eat. I feel like I should have learned this by now. I've been married seven years. But we get in the car, and I don't have a plan as to where we're going. So I tell her, hey, babe, where do you want to go to eat? And she's like, oh, whatever you choose. That's a lie. I know this now, Okay. But, but I go ahead and choose. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to Chili's. And she's like, oh, not Chili's. Can we go anywhere but Chili's? And I'm like, okay, let's go to, let's go to Sadie's. Let's go to Sadie's. I love Sadie's, right? And she's like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like New Mexican food today. Can we not do that? I'm like, you told me to choose, right? I'm like, okay, well, what do you, what do you want, right? And then it starts to get a little dramatic. And I start to get kind of upset and we're, we're kind of like this, this little argument. And I'm like, but what do you want? And she's like, it's not that simple. And I'm like, but what do you want, right? And it's raining. It's all dramatic in the car all of a sudden. And I'm like, you got to make a choice. Oh, wait, that's actually a movie. Never mind. And it's just stressful. But Jesus says, oh, and on top of that, I get hangry. Anybody get hangry in here? And so I make more problems and more problems, and that's for a whole other sermon, I guess, so I should, shouldn't have even said that. But Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to put on, for isn't life more than that? Don't worry about your life. Why? Well, because Jesus has a better way for us to live than just simply surviving, than simply just getting by. Jesus has a better way for us to live. Uh, Let me ask you a question. What kind of things cause you to worry? Probably a lot of things. And probably some serious things for some of you in this, in this room, especially with maybe this year and the events and the circumstances that have, that have arisen in your year. What what kind of stuff causes you to have anxiety and and get stressed out? I just wrote down a few basic things. Friendships, family, finances. That's at the top of the list right there for some people. Fashion, 
I don't understand that. I don't, I don't worry about fashion, but maybe you do. Food, the future, right? That's just a big one. Just the uncertainty of, hey, what, what's next? What's tomorrow going to hold? What, what will my life look like in five years? I wrote down finals on here because I shared this message in part to some of our middle school and high school students a few weeks ago when they needed to hear that when they were all freaking out, stressed out about their finals. There's, there's so many things and much more that can, that can give you in your mind reason. Reason to, to, to worry and to stress. You say, Kelly, the holidays have been stressful. Like, uh, there's so much to worry about after Christmas. Financially, relationally, there's, there's a lot of stuff. How can I not worry about these things that are in front of me? I gotta pay my bills. The kids are running out of socks. There are the holes in them, right? I gotta put food on the table for my family. How can I not worry? Now, before we talk about that, I wanna, I wanna stop and consider something. Now I started, I started this text, this verse, purposefully on verse 25. Can anybody tell me the very first word of that verse, of that section? What is that word? Therefore. You're like, it's about time you start explaining why you started your message without a therefore. You know, we're Bible students. Yes, I know. I'm a Bible student too. Therefore. Now that's a very important word. And that should show us something as we look at this text. Therefore, Jesus says, don't worry about your life. So, so let's get some context. Pastor Skip has taught me well, right? Let's get some context. Let's rewind a little bit. What was Jesus talking about that led him to say, therefore, don't worry about your life? Well, earlier in chapter 6, Jesus has been saying to the disciples, remember to his followers, he's saying, don't, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves can break in and steal and where moth and rust can destroy. But rather, a better way is to store for yourselves treasures in heaven where, where nothing can get in the way of that. Now, I've heard of like so many different car break-ins around this holiday season. It kind of just broke my heart to hear about our city or our country. Just, you know, but that, ten- that happens sometimes. And if you put all your stock in material things, then you're going to lose hope when it's taken away. And so Jesus says, there's a better way to live your life than just, you know, investing everything you have into the here and now. He says, there's a better, a better way. Don't just live for this world. Invest in eternity. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't just live in the here and now. Don't get stuck here just building everything, your kingdom here on earth. Live for the, for the next life because there's a better return for your investment if you pay it forward into eternity, Right? There's a better investment there. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. And then Jesus says this. He says, listen, you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be devoted to one, loyal to one, and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon, Jesus says. And then he says, therefore, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. For isn't life more than that? And this shows me something as we put that together. It shows me this, that our attitude is oftentimes determined by who we're serving. You know, our our outlook in life is determined oftentimes by who our master is. Is our master mammon? Now, mammon refers to materialism, the pursuit of riches, the pursuit of money and wealth. It's not a bad thing to have money. It's just a bad thing to be ruled by it. And so Jesus says, which one is your master? Because that's going to determine your attitude. And that's going to determine if you're going to have a worthy worry or a worldly worry in life. It's going to determine those things. Therefore, do not worry about your life, Jesus says. 
And here's the first thing that I want to say with that is there's a better master. You have a better master. That's available to you. If you serve mammon, materialism, you're going to get everything that comes with that. If you serve God, you're going to get everything that comes with that. The good, everything, the blessing. I don't know about you. Maybe you've never known this. But some bosses can be pretty stressful. Anybody know that? I honestly did not mean to look at my boss over there. You're like, you're a great boss, Neil. I've had bosses that make life... I'm really stressed out right now. I've had bosses that make life stressful. A previous company that I worked for years ago, I had a boss who, who would give me so much worry and anxiety. It was a company that I worked for, and I felt like I was walking on eggshells around him because he would give me a job, he'd give me an assignment, and I would ask him questions because I didn't know how to do it, and he would just leave, not answer my questions. And then he'd come back and get angry at me when I didn't do the job exactly as he had asked me to do it. I thought, man, it's just, I'm so worried. I feel like I'm going to get let go any minute in this job. But on the flip side, you ever had a boss, you ever had a boss that, that made you feel safe and secure? Oh, that's a boss you want on your team, right? That's the boss you want. Somebody who makes you feel like, hey, you belong, you're included. You, you, you know, the boss that's there and you feel like, hey, I feel, I feel safe. With this guy or this girl on my team. This is my boss. Materialism is a bad boss. Mammon is a horrible master. Because it promises fulfillment. But oftentimes and more often than not. It delivers worry and anxiety. Mo money, mo problems. Did I say that right? I shouldn't talk like the notorious B.I.G. Right? Mo money, mo problems. But here's the, here's the opposite. Jesus offers rest and peace. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And, and what does he deliver? Exactly that. His promises are good. They don't expire. And so when he gives us those things, we can trust that. Mammon, money, materialism, the pursuit of it brings problems, brings worry, brings anxiety if we make it our master. But Jesus' promises fulfillment. Now, Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus isn't just saying like, hey, here's a carefree life. No responsibilities. Hakuna Matata, which means no worries for the rest of your days. If you know that. Jesus isn't saying, hey, you don't have to do anything. He's not promising a life that's just free of responsibility with laziness. He's not saying that. Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather their food into barns. Look at the, the, the lilies of the field and how beautiful they are. They don't spin or toil. Now, what Jesus is not saying is he's not saying don't sow and don't reap and don't toil because, hey, the birds don't do it, and, and the, which they do work. He's not saying, so don't do it. Don't worry about work. No, Jesus is not that kind of boss. Jesus wants you to work, but after you work, trust him with the results. That's what Jesus is all about when he's sharing this message. God wants us to work hard, but trust the results up to him. Is to know, hey, you know what? God's got my back. I'm going to pour everything that I can into this work, and I'm not going to worry because God is a better master. He's a better boss to me than anything else. Toil and trust. Say that with me, everybody. Toil and trust. Come on. Toil and trust, right? Those things are inseparable. Toil and trust. See, toiling without trusting That's atheism. And and trusting without toiling, that's disobedience. 
just trusting and just saying, hey, God's going God's gonna to come through. I don't have to do any work. That's not what God's called you to. But just working and not trusting in God, that is practical atheism by living as if, hey, I'm doing it all on my own. I'm my own person. God wants us to do both because hard work is important to God. And he says, leave the results up to me. What does this mean practically? Well, I tell my students, I told them around finals time, it means do your homework. It means study. Study for those tests. Stay up late if you have to. Sacrifice that time. And then when the test comes, know that, hey, God's with you. And that God's not going to leave you. What does it mean for, for me? Well, I've learned a lot from Pastor Skip and, and how to teach the Bible. And I've learned that the Holy Spirit is just as involved in my study time as he is in my preaching. And, and so I, gotta, I can't just show up and be like, well, today we're going to read out of... Uh, Job, right? Hey, right? Um, Holy Spirit's going to speak through me. No, I, God knows that he's given me an assignment to do. He's given me something to say. So I got to study and then show up and know God is with me and he's going to speak through me. What does this mean for you? This maybe means be intentional in your relationships. Fight for those friendships. Relationships are hard. They're hard work. So fight for those things. Be intentional in your relationships and then, and then don't stress out about your social life. It's in God's hands. Do your part. Fight for your marriage. Fight for those friendships. Fight for those relationships with your family and and other relationships that cause you stress. And then trust, hey, God has got this. He's with me in this. Work hard at your job. Be the best employee that you could possibly be. Have your work ethic just go up five notches. And do your work. Sweat, blood, tears go into those things. And then know, God is my provider. He's my provider. Plan for the future, but trust the results to God. How's that? That's good. That's a, that's a better way to live, I think, than just stressing out and saying, well, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus is a better master. It's a better way to live your life. Here's the second thing. We have a better father. We have a better father. I have a two-year-old, my wife and I. Her name's DJ. She's the cutest thing ever, if you've ever seen her. She's in Bible Island. She's crazy, and she goes to... Uh, to the nannies three days a week. And uh, I pack her lunch. And you know what? I try to make it like as enjoyable, fun. I try to make it fun for my daughter. I try to put like fruit snacks and a little candy and like make her sandwiches look real nice. And I'm just, try, I try really hard to make sure that she enjoys her lunch. You see, when I was a kid growing up, my dad packed my lunch for me. I'm so grateful. He's watching live now. And hey, dad, love you. Kept me alive, right? Packing me my lunches. But let me tell you, they're a little embarrassing to eat in front of my friends sometime. Okay, my dad, he, one time he gave me a, a hot dog wrapped in a tortilla with a, with a whole tomato just in there. And saltine crackers just in a bag. And I was like, well, it's fun. Yeah, it's going to get me through the day. But it was weird eating in front of my friends. They're like, are you eating a tomato like an apple? I'm like, yeah, I'm a freak, right? This is what we do, you know? And it's like, okay. So I try really hard for DJ. Okay, I try really hard like, oh man, I got to go get her like the best Lunchables with the Capri Sun and the little candy and all that. But let me, here's some little dad confession time. This is hard for me. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, if you're like, oh, <laughs> there have been a couple times, maybe three times that I, I've actually forgotten to pack my daughter's lunch. Yeah, I never forget to pack my lunch. I don't think I've ever forgotten a meal in my life. I'm like, I got, I got to plan all my meals every few hours. But, but oh, I forgot to feed my daughter. You know, I send her to the babysitter. I'm like, oh, she's got to eat. Like, I forgot about that. 
whoops, that's a dad fail. Like, it doesn't get sadder than that. It's like, oh, Kelly, come on. But let me tell you something. <laughs> you have a better heavenly father. You have a better heavenly father than any earthly father. Whether that's good or bad experiences that you've had, you have a better father who is in heaven. He doesn't forget your needs. He doesn't show up late, right? He's completely trustworthy 100% of the time. He's got your back. He knows your desires. He knows your needs before you even have them in front of you. He knows what you need. And he's going to take care of you. Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't reap, sow, gather, right? But your heavenly father feeds them. Look, birds don't have a heavenly father. They have a creator. He's the creator that sustains them, that cares for them. They don't have a worry in the world. And yet, he's your heavenly father. He creates everything that there is. He upholds it. He sustains creation. But your pri- his priority is you. And if he can care for some birds and some grass and flowers that fade away, well, how much more is he going to care for you, his children? Those that he created, that he loves. You're far more valuable than any other creation, any birds, any grass, any lilies of the field. You're far more important to God. Now think about this. The God who created you sustains you. You know, when you had your first breath, when he was given to you, you had nothing to do with it. He gave a breath into this world. Every single breath since then has been from God. He's given it to you. When you, when you were in your mother's womb, the first heartbeat that you had, God gave it to you and he's continued to let your heart beat every single day after. Now, if God can care for your breathing and your heart beating, then obviously he's going to care for your eating and everything else that's lesser than that. Now, it gets even better than that. God not only cares for you and sustains you in a physical sense, but he's met your greatest need already. And all you got to do is put your trust in him. Many of us have tonight received salvation because God so loved the world that he sent his son to come down to this earth and die on the cross and forgive you of your sin and resurrect your soul so that you don't have to be a stranger to God, but a child. He's adopted you. He's adopted you as his son, as his daughter. And if, listen, if he's able to do that, if he's able to meet your greatest need by saving your soul from death and bringing it to life, then what makes us think that he's going to just drop the ball and leave us high and dry in something else physical with our provision? He's got you. He's, he's given you everything in Jesus Christ. He's demonstrated his love. There's, there's no greater love. And he's not going to leave you high and dry. I can promise you that. See, Jesus says in the next chapter, he asks the people, he says, look, if, you're, if your son asks for a loaf of bread, are you going to give him a stone? Uh, if, you, if your kid wants a fish stick, are you going to be like, well, here's a snake, right? Who's your dad, Voldemort? I don't know. No, he, Jesus, of course not. Of course not. You being earthly, you being fleshly, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Well, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? His children. Let me tell you something tonight. Instead of... Instead of worrying like an orphan that's been abandoned, run to your father. I wonder if somebody in here needs to hear that tonight. Maybe you've been living like that. You've been living like, I, I got, I, all I got is myself, and all I got is just what I have around me, but you're a Christian. Remember this. 
If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've trusted in his work on the cross, that he rose from the dead, that you're in the family of God, then live like it. Isn't that what John said in his epistle when he said, hey, beloved, consider how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God now, not later, now. And so we can live like that today. Don't worry like an abandoned orphan that has no one. Run to your heavenly Father who will scoop you up into his arms and protect you as his own. You're his priority. That's a better way to live, I think. That's a better way to live than feeling, hey, I'm, I'm abandoned. You're a child of the King of Kings. Ask Him. His promises are good for you. They don't expire. They're good for today. They're good for tomorrow. Trust in that. Run to Him. Whatever you're worrying about tonight, whatever difficulty you have, whether that's something like food and clothing and finances, or it's something even more relationally, or whatever it may be, trust that to your Heavenly Father. Do you believe that He can take care of your needs? That's a better way to live. Here's the third thing, and I've just called it a better way to live. A better way to live. And, and I, would, I think I would also title it a worthy worry. A worthy worry. See, Jesus asks, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Gosh, I wish it worked like that. Because I'm 5'7", okay? <laughs> I'm not very tall. Hey, but if, uh, if anxiety could make me taller, I'd be like playing professional basketball. I'd be 7 feet tall. Pastor Skip would look just real short to me. I'd be like, hey, what's up? You know, but it doesn't work that way. Now, Jesus could be saying in the Greek, this, this is actually not so much adding to, to height, but adding to life. And Jesus is saying, well, hey... Which of you by worrying can add even a single moment to your life? Which of you by worrying can extend your life just a little bit, maybe by a, by a day, by a two days, by a week? Can that happen? Now we know that, that the answer to that is, that's not true. We wish, right? But it doesn't work like that. In fact, studies have shown us that you know, anxiety and worry don't, don't extend our life, but they've been shown to shorten our life. When it's unchecked and when we, it's unhelped, it's, it's, not, it's, mis, it's directed in a wrong way, then it can contribute some health problems in our lives. Like, you know, high blood pressure and heart disease, skin conditions in some cases. Depression, the list goes on and on. And many other health issues can come from worrying. Now, obviously, those aren't, like, stemmed from worry. But they can definitely contribute to, to some of those health issues if, if they're unchecked in that physical way. I was reading an article on health.com because I go to health.com all the time. And it it said, uh, it it was an interesting article. It says, 12 ways to fight stress and help your heart. 12 ways to fight stress and help your heart. I thought it was interesting. There are a few things on there like, get plenty of sleep, eat right. And then one of them was like, cut off caffeine. And I, I laughed at that one. I thought, ha, no. Right? That'll never happen. I'm just kidding. One of them was uh, limit emotional involvement. I thought this was kind of funny. It said in parentheses, avoid getting too emotionally invested in things that don't matter that much. And then it gave an example, football. And I thought like, well, somebody who like doesn't like sports, like some lady, she's just like, well, don't watch football because it raises your blood pressure and you get sick, right? Okay. I guess. Focus, relaxation was one of them, right? Yoga, tai chi, meditation. I thought some of those things on the list were pretty helpful. Some are more helpful than others. But here's something else. Let me, let me give you a better way to fight stress and help your heart. 
in the best way possible spiritually to fight stress and help your heart and son in Philippians chapter four, verse six through seven. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise that God has given you. That is a better way of living. But let me ask you this, like, where do you turn when you're worried? Where do you go when you're stressed out? Some people go shopping. For me, that makes the problem way worse. I'm like, I don't want to go shopping. That just raises my anxiety way higher. I don't want to go shopping, right? Some people go and they eat. I'm a worry eater sometimes. Some people get on social media. Some people just take naps. They go to sleep, right? Some people go to the gym. The list goes on and on. And I don't think like any of those things are bad. I do all of those things. But let me tell you, it's not going to solve the problem. It's not a long-term solution. It doesn't provide any lasting relief to your worry. If anything, some of those things will actually make it worse. I think like when I'm anxious, getting on Facebook is probably the worst thing for me. It makes it so much worse. But a better way is to run to our, to our Heavenly Father, to run to Jesus, to go to Him. That's a better alternative. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And let me tell you something tonight. The world hasn't experienced that. The world hasn't experienced that better way of living. See, because they're doing what they know. And before we were saved, we were doing that same thing, doing what we knew best, just going to the stuff that we have, to the material things, to this world, to find some sort of solution to our worry. And Jesus says there's a better way. He finishes this part of the message by saying, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father knows your needs already. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. The world is dominated by worry. We see it all around us. We see it when you watch the news. It brings worry and anxiety and stress. The more material things, the more we have, the more worried the world becomes. And let me tell you something. They're watching you. The world is watching you. Maybe you don't know that. Oh, they are because, hey, you're a Christian, right? They're watching you at the office. They're watching you at school, in the neighborhood. Your family's watching at home. They want to see how you're reacting to that worry in your life. They want to see because, hey, Christians, obviously, we're not exempt from worry, right? We're not exempt from anxiety. I know that that's not true in my life. It happens. And what Paul is saying here is he's in Philippians, he's saying, listen, it's not that you're like never going to get anxious as a Christian, but you don't have to stay anxious as a Christian because there's a better way to live your life. And that way is to run to Jesus, run to him, the author and finisher of your faith. Go to him. See, the world is watching. So show them, show them a better way. Show them Jesus. That's what they need to hear. That's what they need to see above everything else is Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let me tell you. And your priority will become to get more people in. You're seeking first the kingdom of God. Your priority will to get more people, more people into the kingdom of God. 
When you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you're going to think less about yourself. You're going to think more about others. Because isn't that the mindset that Jesus had? He humbled himself. He didn't regard you know, any, anything on his own. He set, him, set himself aside. He humbled himself. He took the form of a servant. That, when we seek first the kingdom of God, will be our priority. We'll start saying, how can I, how can I get more people in the kingdom? That's a worthy worry, if you ask me. That's a worthy worry. That's something good that's worthwhile to be concerned about. It's saying, hey, I, I want to just, I don't want to stress out about these things that I know my Heavenly Father will provide. I'm going to get busy about seeing more, more people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want to see more people repent of their sin and be forgiven. That's a worthy worry. That's a worthy worry. You see, when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... When we seek first his righteousness, we're going to be less concerned about material things and we're going to be more concerned about spiritual things. When we seek first God's righteousness, we're going to be less concerned about our clothing and we're going to be more concerned about our character before God and before other people in this world. Because we want them to see, after all, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Show them that. Listen, I end with this. Life is so much more than just surviving life is so much more than just existing it's about investing into eternity it's about investing into the next life that's a worthy worry that's a better way to live so remember that as you go through this week as as bills pile up and you know it's just life happens and I, by the way i don't want to make little of anybody's worry i don't want to make it seem like it's trivial i'm just making much of jesus here I'm making much of God because he is, he is so worthy and he's so capable of dealing with even your biggest problems. Take them to him. Remember, you have a better master and that's Jesus. Run to him. Remember, you have a better father. Run to God. Remember, you have more than just worry about the physical things. You have a worthy worry in this life. You have a better thing to live for, a better way so that the world can see Jesus. Father, help us to see that. Lord, give us the strength. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. So Lord, help us. In Jesus' name. What binds us together is devotion to worshiping our Heavenly Father, dedication to studying His Word, and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. For more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig, visit calvaryabq.org.